This episode is brought to you by Splash Refresher. Splash Refresher spices up my daily water intake by putting fun and hydration in one. Because as a mom, I already have my hands full. Every Splash Refresher flavor is delicious, bright, flavorful, and zero calories. I don't waste time on flavorless water I don't enjoy. I just drink Splash and I like it. My favorite flavor is the lemon. It really does taste like lemonade. My favorite is the mandarin orange flavor. There's a flavor for everyone to enjoy. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Hello and welcome to Childproof by Betches Media. I'm Gwenna Lathlin and here with Tori Phantom. This podcast is dedicated to parents who call their kids the weirdest pet names. Womb fruit, crotch goblin, hangropotamus. Monkey butt. <laughs> They're said in love at least. Yes. Sarcasm. Course. Sarcasm is a love language. Yeah, for sure. We, we have a very exciting episode. We are finally doing the Ask Us Anything, but before we start, we have we to do everyone's favorite thing. We got to start the timer. We have to start the timer. Okay, so we have been asking you guys to send us questions in email. Please keep doing that. We went through so many, and if we are not answering a question, it might be because you have had fantastic questions that are whole episodes all to themselves. Yes. A lot of that happening. And there's also a lot of questions that have been asked by many people. And that's a lot of what we're covering today is questions that have more simple answers that a lot of people are curious about. So we're going to start with probably our most asked question ever across any project we have ever done, any place we have ever interacted in a parenting sphere. How do you gentle parent a baby or a toddler? And we have from the emails, I would love to have an episode or part of focus on where responsive parenting starts. That's from JT. And I was hoping to get your views and hopefully some how-to info on gentle parenting older infant to early toddler stage. That's from AY. Yes. And so I love this question because it is it comes from a place of wanting to do better for our kids than when it was done mm-hmm. for us. Like, what does it really mean? It's such a broad topic of gentle parenting. Well, and it's not even specific. Like the name gentle parenting doesn't explain much. It it really doesn't. It's it's almost misleading. It makes everyone think that the entire time we talk to our kids, it's like this. Oh, sweetie, are you mad? Okay, we'll make it better. We'll just give you what you want so you're not mad anymore. You can have anything you want anytime. Bullshit. That's not what it is. You do not have to be a gentle person to be a gentle parent. No, not at all. And so when it comes to gentle parenting, I think the big focus is really just on that emotional component. We're prioritizing the emotions of our children. And for me, that started with a lot of self-reflection, right? And I was a teen mom fresh out of a bad childhood. So I, when my little tiny sweet angel baby was born, I looked at her and I was like, well, I know everything I'm not going to do. I had a great list of do not do, but I had to figure out what I wanted to do. And I think when I first had her, I was unaware of how little parenting happens and before they're mobile, you know, you're just like, oh, we just don't sleep. And I, and I have to buy a lot of baby wipes and there's so much mess to clean, but that's, it gave me more time. Babies are boring. Yeah. It gave me a lot more time to try to figure out what I wanted to do. Like, and I remember when she was a baby, I had a friend who came over and I'd never held a baby before my own. And my friend like picked her up and was like being all cutesy with her and like blowing raspberries and doing all these funny things. And that was like the first time I was like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, I had no idea how to interact with a baby. I was like, do you want to hear about science, you little two-month-old? I will tell you all about that. <laughs> See, and for me, gentle parenting, it's its the same thing. Gentle parenting begins with us, the parents. It begins with you. Everything we hope our kids will be really good at has to be modeled at home. So when your baby is a baby baby, it's it's a potato wrapped in flesh that poops and eats. Like that that's its whole existence. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's its whole existence. You start gentle parenting by practicing on yourself and out loud. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I did because 
and, and realistically speaking, we are not teaching our children very much until they're really able to communicate, right? A lot of that is just kind of building this foundation for how they're going to expect us to react. Well, and a lot of that development in that first year is instinctual. Like they're going to do it as long as the environment is safe for them. They're going to learn to roll over whether we did tummy time with them or not. Right, exactly. And when they get to that toddler stage, when they start movement, right? And because there's a difference between a fresh walking toddler and a two-year-old toddler. There is so much growth that happens in that time period. But that's where I think that parenting kind of starts where you're setting the framework and you're repeating things and you are picking the way that you want to respond to your kid. And while you might repeat yourself 74 times and it doesn't seem like it makes a difference, you are teaching them this expectation of how mom, how dad, how parent is going to respond to me. And so then when you move into that communication, it's, it's already there. It's there. It is a solid foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when, when we say practice on yourself, what, what we mean is naming your emotions. I am frustrated because you will not stop crying. That is a valid thing to feel and say. The baby is not going to stop crying because you're frustrated. But by naming your emotion, you are not only telling yourself what I'm feeling is okay it's just frustrating. I'm not in danger. No one's dying. I'm not going into war just because this baby is crying. I'm frustrated. Valid. And it's a great time to work on your own coping mechanisms because you will, when you have a baby and they're crying for an hour and you've done everything, you've fed them, you've changed them, you've held them and they're still crying and you're running on three hours of sleep and you just want to sob. And in that moment, you're going to learn how to take care of yourself when you're that upset, because it's okay to be that upset, right? That's part of gentle parenting is teaching our kids. It is okay to be upset. It is not okay to make it other people's problems. And we have to internalize that for ourselves. Yeah. So, and, and what you do is you practice self-regulation in front of them. When you recognize, oh my gosh, I am going to tip over this edge. Like I am not, the difference between a good parent and a bad parent is not the thought of doing something, but the decision not to. So if you've ever looked at your screaming baby and you're like, I would do anything to make it stop. And then you go, oh my God, I would not do anything to make it stop. I'm not going to shake this baby. I'm not going to, like, I, w- I would not do anything. That does, the thought is not the bad thought. And when that when that intrusive thought scares you, that doesn't make you a, a bad person, a bad parent. That's what an intrusive thought is. It's something that you don't believe in that is, is kind of frightening. And so when, when my kids were kind of in that toddler phase where that real parenting stuff is starting and what I would do, right, in this beginning part, because I had this framework of what I didn't want to do. And I was aware that being raised the way that I was that that was going to end up being that gut reaction. And so when my toddler would do something that would trigger me, I would pay attention to what my gut reaction was. I wouldn't do it. I would pay attention to what my gut was telling me to do. And then I would take a moment and think if that's what I wanted to do. And then I would do what I wanted to do. Not We're not going with the gut reaction. We're going with an intentional decision And it might be the same as the gut reaction, but it is still an intentional choice to yes. Yes. And because that's, I mean, that's what I always say. If it's not an emergency, we don't have to handle it right now. Like even if the kid dumped a glass of milk all over the carpet, that might feel like an emergency. But realistically, if you take one minute to consider how you want to respond, you still have to clean up the milk. But if you scream at your kid about it, when it was a total accident, you might feel bad about that after. And like it happens, we all are going to react badly sometimes. But the point is, is that we're taking a moment to go, how do I actually want to respond? And if we did respond poorly, how do I want to clean up the mess that I made? Right. The emotional and the puddle of milk. Yes. So, and, and what's important when we're talking about infants and toddlers, that process can happen out loud. It doesn't have to every time. If you're still just figuring out, if this is your first tippy toe in self-regulation, in emotional recognition, it's okay if it needs to happen privately and quietly. But once you've done it a couple times, you can stand there and out loud going, you can practice some regulation techniques. It's not an emergency. It's just spilled milk. It's not an emergency. It's just spilled milk. Practice that breathing. Do those breathing techniques. You know, move your body, get some of that energy that's wanting to pen up inside you and make it worse. Get that out. What you're doing is not only are you handling this 
situation, you are showing your kids when I am amped up, when I'm having big feelings, when I am triggered, this is what I'm doing. We show our kids in this early stage in infancy and toddler, we show them more than we tell them. So gentle parenting is so heavily reliant on boundaries. Like that's one of the misconceptions of gentle parenting is, oh, you just, you're gentle. You let them do whatever. Wrong. Gentle parenting is one version of a name of authoritative parenting. Authority. We are parenting with authority and emotional awareness, but authority. So it's really, really heavily on, uh, it relies on boundaries. But babies and toddlers are are really known for not giving a single fuck about boundaries. They're not even at all. They're, no. Impulse control of a toddler. That's, that's what I say in my house a lot. Gentle parenting with very, very little humans looks a lot like getting good at the emotional work. So when they are speaking, so when they are communicating, so when they can begin to absorb the words that you are saying to them, you are coming from a place of, I've already done this work, so I know it's possible. I know you can be mad and function. I know you can be mad and need to take a minute. I know the difference between those two versions of mad because I've experienced those and I know what steps to take. And so now I can start to guide you because I've got the experience already. Now, that's not to say if you are looking at gentle parenting and you've already been a parent for a while, if this is a new, like, oh, well, I'm fucked. No, no, no. That's that's not what we're saying. It's never too late to make a change in the right direction. Like even as an adult, if my parents like somehow make a massive change, I would still appreciate that as an adult, you know? And so that's that's the thing with gentle parenting is that we're also using these ideals on ourselves. We're taking care of ourselves and our children. And I think that's a thing that is a big misconception in gentle parenting as well, is that not only is it like, oh, well, we let them do whatever they want to do and that it's this very specific way of just like permissive parenting, but that we're setting those boundaries and that when when people look at gentle parenting and they're like, but you've said that 74 times, so clearly gentle parenting doesn't work. You need to have harsher discipline. But the re- reality is whether we're saying it and explaining it 74 times or whether there is a harsh punishment happening, your kid's probably still going to repeat the same behavior. It still takes repetition. That's how learning works. It's repetition until we internalize it. Well, and so many of our emails were coded with, you know, I'm not really the person who's supposed to be listening to your podcast because I don't have kids. Wrong. You're exactly the person who's supposed to be listening to our podcast. It doesn't matter if you have kids or not. There's this concept called reparenting where where your parents were unable or unwilling in some cases to give you this sort of emotional framework. You as an adult recognize, nope, I am struggling more because I don't know how to do this. So I have to self-teach myself how to do this. We're happy to be your resource. You don't have to have kids to listen to Childproof. And these same communication, these same communication tools can be used in friendship, in relationships with anyone. because Professional environments, yeah. It's, it's all about just really focusing on the emotional component of communication, how that is impacting the discourse and how that can be so valuable in a productive discussion to avoid an argument. I was the Karen champion of my last customer service job because without realizing what I was doing, you can't gentle parent people who aren't your own children, but you can emotionally forward communicate. And so when, when Karens would wander in and want to throw a fit, they'd go get Gwenna because Gwenna could talk them down without triggering further Karen behavior. Because all I was doing was approaching with, I understand how, but why do you feel that way? Oh, because you got the red shirt instead of the blue shirt. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, no, that's I worked at a call center. Very similar. I never had to escalate to a supervisor because if someone calls yelling and you're like, I hear you're mad. I would be mad, too. Like, it's that validation in that moment that people are seeking. Like, you're allowed to be mad. It's not my fault that your cable box isn't working, but I get it. I'm the person you get to yell at about it. <laughs> and on the flip side, I... I get what I want from customer service or get what I need more specifically from customer service because I will call and I am very frustrated. And the first thing I'll say is I am very frustrated with what's going on right now, but I need you to know that I'm not mad at you. I do the same thing. (laughs) I'm sorry if my tone seems aggressive. I'm upset with this thing and I know it's not your fault. Yeah. So I'm going to try to control that because I don't want to take it out on you. And it's that one little phrase. They're like, oh my gosh. Oh, I will. I, I will move the ends of the earth together for 
you because you're not yelling at me. Right. It's just treat people like people, man. Everyone has bad days, even if they're in the call center. You just you know, make someone cry. Don't make them cry. So when people are saying, oh, well, gentle parenting isn't preparing them for the real world. Really? Because we gentle parented ourselves. And it's, it's preparing them to so be far. pretty good, decent people who treat people well, I think. If you're a wine lover, I'm going to let you in on a little secret for finding your new favorite wines. I found the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks. It's called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, I get to discover new wines I'm guaranteed to enjoy. That's because First Leaf gets to know your wine preferences that are as unique as you are. To start, I answered a few quick questions on their website about what flavors I like, how often I drink wine, and if I prefer red, white, or rosé. Based on my answers, First Leaf curated an amazing selection of wines just for me. And when I rate those wines, my wine selection gets even more tailored, so I get more of what I enjoy. I really love how First Leaf tailors to my needs, and I really like cooking with wine, so I found so many different flavor profiles to include through First Leaf. Besides the great wines, the best part of the First Leaf Wine Club is the perks. As a member, I get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge and can choose when and how often I want my box delivered. Plus, I get member-exclusive pricing on every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com childproof to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L. L-E-A-F dot com slash childproof. Try com slash childproof. Support for today's episode comes from Honey Love. With Honey Love, you can feel your best even when you're wearing less. They've revolutionized compression technology so you no longer feel like you're suffocating while wearing effective shapewear. Plus, they are the only shapewear that won't ever roll down, no matter how much you're on the move. For a limited time only, you can get Honey Love on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com slash childproof. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com forward slash childproof. When talking about shapewear, Honey Love's best-selling superpower short is the go-to. It's targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. Their signature X targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. We love to see it. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash childproof. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash childproof. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. Shape your life with Honey Love. What's our, what's our next email? Do you have it? Yes. Okay. So our next email what age were your kids when you first started setting boundaries? That comes from LW. So here's what's fascinating is pre-birth. I started setting boundaries for my children pre-birth, but that is not because I'm like some amazing super mom. It's because I, I think we tend to forget that most of a child's first five or so years, even a little longer, but for the most part, the first five years is made entirely out of boundaries. They're just not the verbal, emotional kind. Tell me more. When I say boundaries, I mean things like baby gates and child locks. Those are safety choices. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Those are boundaries. Those are physical boundaries. Yes. Yes. They start as plastic and silicon and metal and wood. And as they get older and develop communication skills, logical reasoning and inner voice, that boundary doesn't actually change. Like when I had two-year-olds in the house, I put a little clippy lock on the doors under my sink because I did not want them drinking the forbidden purple fabuloso. That's not Kool-Aid. That's floor cleaner. So that boundary has never moved though. Never once has it moved. There will never be a point at which I will bless my child drinking the forbidden (laughs) Kool-Aid. But instead of a flippy lock, that boundary turned to a verbal emotional lock. Because now they understand when you say that does look like juice, but it isn't juice and it would make you very sick. And they understand and they trust you that you're telling the truth. But prior to that level of understanding being achieved, we used a little flippy lock. Once we achieved that level of understanding, the boundary never changed. The enforcement did. Well, and it's the same thing, too, when you're talking about like maybe a 12, 13 month old who is throwing a fit over that thing on the counter. It's mm-hmm. on the counter. They can see it and they want it. And they're now on the floor and they're, they're tantruming and they're crying. It's so hard. So you get, you get up and you go and you move the thing out of their sight. That's the same that you're still setting this boundary because it's it's moving out of sight, out of mind. We are we are moving away 
from the position where you can throw a fit about this thing that you see because you can't see it anymore. Maybe if I can't move the thing, I can move you and we're going to have this boundary set because I can't explain to you right now. You're not going to understand why you can't have it, but I can now change the environment. That's that first boundary setting. Yeah. Yeah. I started... I started setting boundaries when the kiddos started moving, right? And I mean, that's kind of the the same thing. But even before they could understand, I always used that verbal component. And that's just, I mean, it's me. I talk a lot. There's no way I wasn't going to say anything, you know? <laughs> Shocked. Yeah. Shocking, Cotton. But that is, that is where it started. But even when my youngest, right, when she was chest feeding, she's a biter. And she grew teeth early. She grew four at once when she was six months old. And the front ones, huh? Uh-huh. And she was a biter. And so I would start this thing, and it's probably around the time she was like eight months old, she started biting. And so I would say to her, like, if she bit, I would say, that hurts, you know, because you go overboard with little ones. You always like over exaggerate. We are doing really bad drama improv when we are talking to babies about feelings. So, oh, that hurt, mommy. If you do it again, I have to set you down. You cannot be on me if you're going to bite me. And, you know, because they, they pay attention when you talk. But then if she bit me again, I would follow through. And I would, you know, if I'm sitting on the couch, I would set her right in the carpet in front of me. And she'd cry. She'd be so mad. And I'd say, listen, I told you, you cannot bite me. So we're going to wait one minute before we try again. And did it take a couple times? Yeah. But she stopped biting because even though she wasn't understanding the communication, what I was saying, she was understanding the cause and effect. If I bite, I don't get to do this anymore. Right. Well, and that's, that's the other thing that when we're looking at what are boundaries, kids do not get a lot of autonomy in the early years. And for really good reason. We decide when they eat and what they eat because left to their own devices, kids suck at basic nutrition. To some extent, they might be able to choose what they wear. Like they might choose individual outfits, but most of the time they didn't have a massive say. Like me, when I buy clothes, I have the width and breadth of the internet to choose from. And I may still go to the same seven stores, but I can shop the entire internet. If I want to radically change my style to a completely different aesthetic, I, assuming I've got the money, can do that. They can't. We're going to take them to the one or two stores or we're going to order on their behalf. And that's their wardrobe. So there's an illusion of choice there. With them growing so fast, it's like there's only a couple stores where I can afford to buy your new wardrobe every six months because you're growing like a weed. So you might have some say on what you're getting, but... Not as much as you want. And and as a parent, I am going to, I, I we're in the process of buying school clothes. There's a lot of dinosaurs and unicorns happening because my kids like dinosaurs and unicorns. There's also monster trucks and Minnie Mouse. Like I know what they prefer, but I'm still the one ultimately making those mm-hmm. decisions of what we do and do not buy, what they will and will be able to choose from. That's, that's a distinct lack of autonomy. Yeah. And as they get older, they do get to have more say in it. They get more say, right? Because especially like my my middleest kiddo has sensory issues with clothing. I know what textures she's going to wear and what stuff that she will not let touch her body. So with her, I have to take her to the store so that we can make sure that the texture is correct. And and it, so it turns from I will pick everything for you to setting that boundary. You get some say in this, but we have to find an, a way to agree upon this that this is appropriate to wear for the season. That you are going to wear that it's going it to last dress code for the school. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and that lack of autonomy, it, there's a reason like they're not good. They're learning to person from scratch. They're not good at making their own choices because they simply lack the life experience to know it is in fact 25 degrees. If I let you wear a spaghetti strap and your shorts, you're going to get hypothermia. Yeah. They don't know what hypothermia is. They don't know. They can't they can't figure out why that's dangerous. They just the cold doesn't bother me anyway. The cold doesn't bother me anyway. It will. It will, I promise it will. It's gonna <laughs> the missing toes are going to be yeah. your forever reminder of your Elsa period. In the toddler years into the pre-K kindergarten years, they really start trying on this idea of making their own choices, regardless of whether those choices are good for them or safe or sane. They turn into these tiny suicidal ninjas. Yeah, yeah they have uh, no fear and it's terrifying. And so, But all those boundaries that we set that end up 
removing some autonomy from them, those boundaries that we didn't really view as boundaries. My deciding what you can wear, what options you have in your clothing, what options end up on the table for your nutrition, where we go, when we go. I'm making these decisions. I am setting these boundaries for your good. I understand you've been at home with me for your entire life and now you're a pre-K kid. So mm-hmm. you're going to go to pre-K and that feels scary to you, but for the good of all of us, I have to set this boundary of school is non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a boundary and that's not something that a lot of people like, oh, well they're legally compelled to go to school. Yes, And no, there are unschooling, there is homeschooling, there's other options. We're still setting the boundary that for you and our family, you have to go to school. Right, right. And these are all decisions that we make for our kids and they have to live with. And that can be a lot of pressure. And it can also turn into when your kid does want to demand autonomy, they are going to throw a fit over the blue cup. That's that's going to happen because they're they their little brain turned on and now they have opinions and they want you to know they want control over something. And so it's like for me, I always try to find this compromise. But when I make boundaries with little littler kids, it's more simple and concise. Like you can sit next to me, not on top of me, next to me, not on top of me. And that moves into because because mommy needs a little space right now. You need space sometimes too. But then they get older and those boundaries change. They're more complex. Like, no, you can't get on TikTok at 10 years old. Here's why. I'll give you a whole, I'll draw a diagram. If you need it, we could talk about it. You can ask questions. That can be part of boundary setting is, is you get to ask questions about why. But the boundary is there. And a lot of the time when I have set a strict boundary, that goalpost is not moving. And it doesn't matter how big a fit that is. And that's one of the things that you cover in the earliest bit of gentle parenting. You can be mad. You cannot make it my problem. You can be mad and that may not change the outcome. You can be mad at me. You get to be mad at me. It's okay. Does it kind of suck as a parent knowing your kid is mad at you? Yep. Yeah. Do we have to let them be mad at us? Yep. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the next question comes from Jay. I, I'm pretty sure that's what I typed, J-I, how did you know it was the right time to have a kid? <laughs> uh, well, I was, I was a teen mom, so I would say there's not actually any planning involved in that. Uh, we did this story for a different day. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I have a belief that no one is ever ready. If I'm being honest, like you can be financially ready, have a great support Mm -hmm. system in place. You can have everything that you ever wanted set before you have that kid. And the second your kid has born, um, it just, it's going to take you by surprise. I don't think there's any amount of preparation that you feel like, oh, this was the right time because it's just, it totally changes your world. And that's, I don't say that in a negative way. It's just, it's such a drastic change that there's no like ready. (laughs) One of my favorite recurring tales of new parenthood is they they were the kind that put everything together. They got all their little ducks in a row. They were financially ready. Their relationship was in a really good place. They had a great support system. They were able to procure all of these things that baby would need. They got like a top of the line uh, swing, one of those Rue swings. I don't know its brand. Those are fancy. <laughs> those are, I want one in an adult size. I want one for me. Yeah. If I'm being honest, Absolutely. but they get this and then they have this beautiful baby and everything is good. And then that birth gotcha day, adrenaline and dopamine wears off. And this kid hates, hates the bottles you carefully researched, will not take them, is actually losing weight because they will not eat from the bottles that you so carefully chose according to science. Cannot stand being in a swing. Will not accept any other existence than tightest baby burrito, but only with the blankets that you got from the hospital, the fancy snuggler wrap. It just pisses them off more. The one you spent $80 on, they're like, no, mm-mm. Nope. Now, this is not me making fun of those parents because I was one of those parents. Oh, I went so extra. I, I was, I put I was everything so on over my the baby top. registry. Everything. Everything. <laughs> and like, I, I spent so much time like, yes, this is science backed. Yes, this is research backed. And my eldest, as an infant, really stuck her tiny little middle finger up at me <laughs> for most of it. Right, right. You get everything ready, and uh, your kid is going to be someone you don't expect from the moment they're born in the best 
and most surprising Best way. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I honestly, if, if I'm being fair, I knew I was ready to be a mom about six years after my eldest was born. <laughs> uh, that's when I really started to feel it. Like, you that's know what? you feel in the groove of it, right? That's, yeah. I haven't killed her yet. I'm, I'm, I'm okay, I guess. <laughs> right. I, I felt like a mom for the first time when a, a kid in our neighborhood looked at me and referred to me as my kid's name's parent. That was like, for me, I was like, oh, she's got friends. Oh, I don't have a name anymore. I'm just her mom. <laughs> Which honestly, for some parents, that is quite a shock. I stopped being Gwenna and I was my little's mom. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, it's a, it's a bit of a gut punch, honestly, when, especially when, if you were the pregnant person, if you carried that human all the way through gestation, all the attention is, how are you feeling, mama? How are you feeling, daddy? How are you feeling? Mm -hmm. Doing good? There's so much attention on you as the carrier of this new human. And then that new human comes out of you and you no longer have a fucking name. No, no. And now it's just sleep when the baby sleeps. It doesn't get better. And it's like, can can we still offer support? To, can we still support each other? Please see the Mom Rants episode for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we covered all this. <laughs> By the time baby number two comes, you feel superhuman. You totally have it all figured out. You got this. But then the reality sets in. It's more than twice the work and can sometimes feel like absolute chaos. It's obviously not always going to go right, but you'll take any opportunity to make it a little easier. The Honest Company has a new line of calming products for the whole family, so your little ones will go down easier and you can have a moment of honest relaxation. The Calm Collection is a line of dreamy and calming lavender products to help make you and your baby's bedtime routine smoother. They have lavender wipes to clean up sticky hands and messes, a calm lavender bath and body set that's both gentle enough for babies and soothing self-care for moms, lightweight lavender body oil to help wind down before bedtime, and fun purple printed pajamas made with 100% certified organic cotton. The sooner your little ones go to bed, the sooner you are able to relax. For a little while, anyway. Their Calm Lavender Collection is made with lavender essential oils that help calm babies before bed. And their super absorbent overnight diapers have up to 12 hours of leak protection. With a focus on sustainability and clean products, The Honest Company works with toxicologists at their in-house lab to create eco-friendly, safe, and effective products you can feel good using. Body products are naturally derived and designed for all skin types, while their diapers are made with plant-based materials that are ultra-soft and super absorbent. Good for your whole family? and your environment. Try Honest for yourself. Shop at Target, Amazon, Walmart, and Honest.com. Hydrating doesn't have to be boring. Splash Refresher spices it up by putting fun and hydration in one. Because as a mom, I already have my hands full. Splash Refreshers are delicious, bright, flavorful, and available in five craveable flavors. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and a splash of sweetness for a hydrating and delicious beverage you'll come back to again and again. My favorite flavor is the lemon. Uh, it really does taste like lemonade, so I'm getting hydrated, and it just feels like I'm drinking lemonade. Splash Refresher perfectly blends refreshing fruit flavors with just a little bit of sweetness, all with zero sugar and zero calories. Available in five craveable flavors, wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange, Splash Refresher is there to satisfy your need for hydration with a little flavor. There's a flavor for everyone to enjoy. They are delicious, bright, flavorful, and hydrating, and zero calories, so you can have fun flavored water without any guilt. Consider your hydrated self thriving. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart, or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. I got a, I got a question. Uh -huh. All right. This question comes from KT. How do you handle overstimulation with littles who don't understand and just always want to be on mom in some way? And this particular email was focused on overstimulation with breastfeeding, but I feel like it's a good question we can be a little broader with as well. Yeah. So I, for various reasons, did not spend very long on the direct breastfeeding train. So I didn't, I didn't really suffer from the overstimulation of just being a cow for like three months of my life, which I, again, I am not calling anyone a cow. I just know that while I had a baby attached to my chest, I was like, moo, bitch. I, uh, no, I chest fed all of my kids for about 15 months each, so uh, you know, close to close to four four years or so of it, and I'll tell you, the most I've ever felt like a cow was using an electric electric breast pump, and I was like, "This is, I don't love that." Uh <laughs> Actually, no, it's meh. 
Maps. Yeah. Maps. But that's specific to, to address that specific. I've triggered half our listeners <laughs> who were past those days. Hadn't thought about that right. sound in ages. That is, uh, but, but going to that specific piece of the equation, I was constantly touched out and overstimulated. And so what I would do is after feeding, I would find a way to get baby occupied with something else. And of course, that's that's trickier when they're a lot littler. But once they kind of are interested in colors and things, it's like, now we do tummy time. Now we're going to do this. Oh, look at this. And it's, again, my goal was always next to me, not on top of me, because it can be so overwhelming to feel like you can't even move your arm properly. And that's like, that gets my anxiety like skyrocketing. Like to this day, that is like just a thing that is hard for me, right? That's where I came up with this next to me, not on top of me. <laughs> but even past that phase. Again, boundaries set right. really, really early. Yes. <laughs> but but with that, if you have support, right, that is when we ask, can you please hold the baby for me? I just need to take a shower without anyone touching me. I just need a moment to myself. And it is okay. I want to make sure everyone knows it is okay. If baby is fed and changed and all needs are met, it is okay to set baby in crib and take five minutes to make yourself regulated. That is always okay. That is a safe choice. So long as, you know, we're following the safe yeah. to sleep stuff, Sa- right? Right. The internet would have you believe they there's this new term that I've seen floating around called container babies. And I understand on the basis what a container baby is. That's a baby who is constantly strapped into a swing, Mm -hmm. a bouncer, a walker, a bumbo, a car seat. They're never on the floor experimenting with their own body. Okay, yeah, I see how that's a problem. But in describing how extreme container babies um, are maybe not helping them grow very well, what happens is parents hear, oh, I'm never supposed to put them in containers. That's no, <laughs> no, it's about balance. Everything is about finding a balance and you are allowed to be a person and it can be so all encompassing and isolating to have a baby in that first year. And it is okay to hold your baby for three hours and go, I just need to not hold you right now. I love you so much. And you feel guilty, but you get to, you get to be a person without anyone touching you. Even if it's just for five minutes, it matters. You matter. I, I so badly wanted to baby wear. I wanted that to work for me, but it turns out it did not. First of all, one of my littlest children, one of my twins, didn't care for it. The other one was absolutely fine with it, but I was not. I still felt so restricted and tied down, even with this baby securely, like my hands were free. But the sensation of having that baby strapped to me constantly was not for me. Now that doesn't mean that baby wearing's bad. Baby wearing has a ton of really good science and data behind it. But there are two parts to that equation. It's good for the baby, but it also has to be good for the mom. If it's stressing me out to the point where I'm like I'm in freeze mode, what good is that baby doing? All it's hearing is my little anxious heartbeat. Mm, yeah, that's true. And like I loved baby wearing. I had the wraps, I had the ergo, I had I never got a sling, but I had like so many different and I would use them in different ways at different ages. And my favorite was when you get into those toddler years, you can back wear your toddler on an ergo. And that saved me because while the baby is still touching me, there is nothing on my chest and I can move freely and I have full use of my arms and they're happy as a clam. And so like my youngest specifically is, has always been my little stage five clinger and There have been times where that's been hard. And so I learned different ways to work with that instead of making her feel bad for wanting mom. She's allowed to want me. And especially, you know, she was a pandemic toddler. So who else did she have? And so it became these ways of involving her in the tasks that I was doing. So then we're still together and just like reassuring her, like, listen, baby, we're still doing this together. Do you want to sit in your high chair while I am sitting at the table next to you while I cut vegetables for dinner? Should we talk about this? And then I'm just kind of narrating what I'm doing. So she's getting that connection, but I am getting that personal space that I desired. And it's in those ways of, okay, well, we're still together. I'm doing my makeup. Why don't you sit next to me and you can do Here, your play makeup. with this clean brush. Yes. Yeah. So, so there's there's all these ways or like gamify it, right? And this is more mm-hmm. for like the older kids, right? But I will tell you, you wanna have like some some space, some body space, start counting and say you're playing hide and seek. They're gonna yeah. run away from you. Yeah. You want your kids <laughs> to pick up those toys once they've got language on board. 
I've spotted a special toy. The first person to bring it to me wins. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see how fast we can clean up. I'll set the timer. I didn't set the timer. We're just cleaning. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I actually, I went a step further. So I would set a timer. And then when I'd realize, oh, they're not quite, I would get into the app on my phone and move the timer a little more. I've done that too. I've done that. Or like they finished really quick. And so I'd get into the timer and like bump it. So there's like two seconds. (gasps) You got it just in time. But that's like with the hide and seek, I feel like I have to to add a caveat because someone just is going to think that I'm like just making my kids go hide to get rid of them. Uh, I love playing hide and seek. So that's actually, it's like, cool. No one is touching me right now, but also I get to go hide too soon. Uh, Hide and seek freaks me out. Really? Yeah. It's it's not a game I enjoy. Outdoor hide and seek I'm absolutely fine with. It's indoor hide and seek that like gives me the ick that I cannot. It's just anxiety. I get that. But like we can't. No. Nope. That's fair. That's fair. We're a hide and seek crowd. It's like every day someone calls hide and so seek. So I think <laughs> I think my best way to handle overstimulation is to double down on self-care and be inventive about what's considered self-care. My favorite self-care at that stage cuz I, well, I couldn't do baby wearing and I even ran out of baby wearing territory sooner than most people. Cause I had twins and I am a plus size mom. So the plus size wraps barely accommodate one child. No plus size wrap accommodates two children. And I couldn't put one on my back and the other, then the other one's just pissed and have created a whole different problem. So I ran out of that really quick, even though I didn't even like it in the first place. So it wasn't an issue that I, that we outgrew it sooner. But my favorite self-care at this stage was mental health drives because both of my children, and this only worked because my children liked being in the car. My children did not mind the car seats. If your child hates the car seat, a mental health drive is not going to be self-care for you. But they liked being in the car. And the car that I had at the time had a uh, panoramic sunroof. So I would open that panoramic sunroof. I would open the cover. I wouldn't open the glass, but I would open the cover. Um, I would strap them in and we would go anywhere, anywhere. Now, I realized that I have the financial privilege of being able to afford the gas. Uh, so again, this was my self-care because I could manage this. But I could listen to a podcast or I could listen to an audiobook, or I could just listen to music. and they would be occupied with the power lines and the stoplights and the trees going by overhead. They were fine. A lot of times they would fall asleep because we would do this right after a meal. You turn on a podcast like Childproof and just sort of revel in not being touched. They're not interacting with each other. They're not fighting each other. They're not screaming at me. They're not touching me. I'm listening to adults. It's the closest I would get to feeling like other adults were in the room was listening to Sawbones and Stuff You Missed in History Class. Right, right. And that's for me, like beyond hide and seek, I've always, if I know my kids want attention, but I know that I don't want to be touched right now, it's always the game of fight. Like, let's put on the music. Let's have a dance party. Now we're all still spending this fun time together. I can enjoy that, right? I'm totally fine giving you the attention. I want to give you attention. I want to interact with you. I just don't want to be touched. So let's find a game, a way to do that where we're all going to be happy. All right. I think we have time for one more, one more, and then I've got a game I want to play. Okay. So this one comes from AC. What book recommendations do you have? Like parenting books? Parenting books. Um, Yeah. I've read those. Uh... Uh, So I have a few. (laughs) I'm going to give you my top four. And that's it. So the first is how to stop losing your shit with your kids. And we'll talk to the folks over at Betches and see if we can get these titles and authors added to uh, the show notes or in the description, but how to stop losing your shit with your kids by Carla Nomberg hunt gather parent by my, my clean Duclef. how to raise kids who aren't assholes by Melinda Wenner Moyer. Oh wait, no, I have a parenting book. I have one. I have one. Okay. What's that? Um, so there's, I have this friend, her name is Gwenna and she is an author and her parenting book is coming out next year and I will read that one. So, uh, that's my parenting book recommendation is Gwenna's. It's called uh, Mama Cusses, A Field Guide to Responsive Parenting. You can pre-order it now from Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, Amazon, and the standard places you would normally buy and books. And you should. You should. We can have a book club. Book club child-proof episode. Just shameless plug. Shameless <laughs> no plug. No shame here. No shame here. You did a cool thing. <laughs>
I am so happy that warmer weather is finally back and we can get to enjoying some time in the sun, but springtime always brings those unwanted guests, pollen and seasonal allergies. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. I have seasonal allergies. My husband has seasonal allergies. So from about April till June. We all sound like this just constantly. This is what we sound like without Claritin. It helps so much with being able to enjoy springtime and outside without running a water faucet for a nose. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Now it's time for a game called Sweet or Tangy, sponsored by Ocean Spray. Finding a snack that my whole family likes can be a challenge, to say the least, but I recently discovered a snack hack that my whole family is freaking out over, Ocean Spray Snack Medley. Ocean Spray has created the perfect mix and match dried snack blend. The snack medley comes with a variety of delicious combos so every kid can have something they like, such as mighty cranberries with sweet blueberries, mind-blowing mango and juicy pineapple. They're all bursting with flavor and come in these perfectly portioned packs of five. Best of all, they are the perfect grab-and-go snack to fill up those new school year lunch boxes. So with Ocean Spray, we are going to play Sweet or Tangy. We're going to describe some real-life situations that we have encountered as parents, and then we have to decide whether that moment was a sweet moment or was it a little tangy. I am so excited for this game <laughs> because my children at their core are sweet and, and tangy. tangy. <laughs> Ocean Spray nailed it that time, man. Honestly, definitely. Do you, do you want to hear my, my moment? Yes. This week, this week, I am sitting on my couch and I am not wearing my glasses. Mm -hmm. And my littlest lady saunters up to me, looks at me with the sweetest baby smile and says, Mama, you are so beautiful. But you're more beautiful when you wear your glasses. And then she handed them to me. Um, please obscure like three quarters of your face, mom. I like you're you're prettier that way, mom. Your face is prettier when I see less of it, you know. (laughs) Uh. For those of you that have nor never nor nor never seen Tori Phantom in real life, they prefer these big like glasses. That's just their aesthetic. I just love glasses that are too big for my face, and apparently, I look better that way. So. I would say, I would say there's not an ounce of sweetness in that one. That's just, that's just a tangy. That was tangy. tangy. But she looked really sweet with the smile. Her, her tone was so, mom, could, you're so beautiful. Could it be swangy? Is swangy a category? Sweet and tangy? Maybe. I'm trying to combine the words more. No, that doesn't, that's not. Yeah. That's a different thing. <laughs> that, that that might not relate. No. That's uh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm gonna say that's that's a tangy moment. Yeah. Yeah. She's very particular about the way that I have to say I love you to her. Cause if I just say I love you, she goes, No, mama, you have to say it sweeter. And and I have to go, was too I tangy. love you. And that's she says that's the sweet voice. So that's why she used her sweet voice to tell me to wear my glasses. Still a tangy moment though. Qu- quite tangy. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a tangy moment. 
That's it for Sweeter Tangy, sponsored by Ocean Spray. Ocean Spray Snack Medley is the go-to snack for me and my family. With their individually portioned packs of five, they're perfect for tossing a few into my bag of snacks. Best of all, there are multiple delicious flavors to choose from for literally everyone in my family. The mix and match flavors make my kids' snack time so fun. They're perfect as grab-and-goes. My children are absolutely obsessed with the Ocean Spray Snack Medleys. Every meal can we have these. They have discovered dumping it into yogurt, and now yogurt without the Ocean Spray Snack Medley is unacceptable. For me and my family, we eat them all the time. We have games we play with them. We have to try to throw them into each other's mouths. It ends up being a mess. It's fine. And we also like to share our dried fruit snacks with our rats. And we all have a different favorite. I personally love the mango. My middleist loves the pineapple. There is flavors for everyone, but we love them all. Ocean Spray has found the missing puzzle piece to my family's snacking habits, their mix and match snack medley. Their snack medley is pre-portioned made with real fruit and they're amazing on the go. Their powerfully bold flavor combos make it so there is a flavor for everyone in my family. Like mighty cranberries with sweet blueberries, mind-blowing mango, and juicy pineapple. Each snack medley pack is bursting with flavor and incredibly convenient when you need a delicious on-the-go nosh for the whole family. Learn more about Ocean Spray Snack Medley at OceanSpray.com or find them in the dried fruit aisle in a store near you. Oh, there's our timer. Jeez, that scared me. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. We were so glad to answer your questions and we are looking forward to answering more. So please keep sending those in childproof at Betches.com. Be sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram. I am Mama Cusses. They are Tori Phantom on both TikTok and Instagram. Definitely follow Betch's Moms on Instagram as well. And so you don't miss an episode, be sure to subscribe to Childproof on Apple, Spotify, wherever you are listening to us or want to listen to us next. Switch it up. Don't forget to leave us a rating on Apple and Spotify. We love hearing from you. And remember, sometimes our kids are assholes. And sometimes it's us. Childproof is produced by Rebecca Salzmacat and Sean Kilby. Editing by Basilio Perez. Social media by Lauren Salome. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Be sure to follow us at at Betches Moms on Instagram and send us your email to moms at Betches.com. Thank you to our sponsor, Splash Refresher. Meet the water beverage that loves self-care as much as you. Just because you have to hydrate doesn't mean it has to be tasteless. Splash Refresher makes hydration deliciously easy, perfectly blending refreshing fruit flavors with just a little bit of sweetness, all with zero sugar and zero calories. Available in five craveable flavors, there's a flavor for everyone to enjoy. My favorite flavor is the lemon. The mandarin orange is my favorite flavor. Consider your hydrated self thriving. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Betches.